All right, here we go on another Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, uh, and this is Out of Line. We are here live every Sunday morning at Fox, at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are coming to you from the Wisden in Las Vegas because for over two years now, the pandemic is still keeping us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. Joining me on the show is our social media director, Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. That's right. The Wiz has his own theme music and his own studio. All well-deserved. Um, but real quick, also back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio producing today's show is Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows for Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. This show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. The uh, You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter as well, at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are are live your calls and questions are welcome the fox sports residential bank corp studio line is 702-876-1340 hi this is bubby and it's time for what's on tap it's on tap brought to you by title sponsor residential bank corp whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own residential bank corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs residential bank corp funding america one neighborhood at a time call 702-964-5720 to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of nevada on tap from this point forward every remaining game of the 2022 nhl season is a must win for the Vegas Golden Knights, and that is starting tonight against the San Jose Sharks. Vegas Golden Knights play-by-play radio announcer Dan Duva will be joining the show to talk about all that. Also, the NFL draft only days from happening in Las Vegas for the first time ever, and we will be hearing from former NFL quarterback Jay Schrader to help us break it down and to get his thoughts on one of his former team's new names. You'll get my thoughts on that as well. Um, We'll also dive into the first round of the NBA playoffs. And Tyson Fury wins and says he'll retire. Right. I believe you. (laughs) We'll also have an update on Las Vegas Aviators, who are currently in town um, for seven more games through May 1st. And history was made again yesterday in professional sports. And I'm going to love talking about this. You'll hear it during Fact This today. That is what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Again, call 702-964-5720 for details on your home financing options. Um, we're getting ready to go. I know Chris is back in the studio uh, getting Dan Duva on the line. Hopefully he is with us right now. But, Spence, let's jump right into Nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Some speed. Shea Theodore into the zone to the middle. To the net. And he scores! That of course part of the television broadcast uh on Wednesday night. Um incredible game. A game that was without question a must win. 
left with a little bit of controversy. We'll talk about that in a minute, as well as uh, the controversy revolving around uh, starting goaltender Robin Leonard. Joining us now on the show is play-by-play broadcasting announcer uh, here on Fox Sports Radio for the Vegas Golden Knights, Dan Duva. Appreciate you taking the time this morning, Dan. Good morning. Yes, that that Dave Gosher guy, that, that sounded pretty good. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll tell you what, this season, um, you can't say really a head scratcher because the Vegas Golden Knights have really been av- able to avoid, for the most part, the major injury bug until this year, and it really bit them, and it bites every professional sports franchise. As a matter of fact, every collegiate sport, over time, that's going to get you, and this year, not to make excuses, Dan, but no question, this is the year they really got bit by that bug. Yeah, I, well, I remember when I was, let's see, 14 years old, and Chapman would appreciate this. The New York Jets had just come off their first playoff appearance, uh, you know, in, in like 20 years, it seemed like. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Vinny Testaverde had been the quarterback, and Bill Parcells, and Keyshawn Johnson, Curtis Martin, Wayne Corbett, Bo Lewis, uh, Brian Cox, a whole list of New York Jets. They got to the AFC Championship game in 98, and you figured that the following year, 99 was going to be their year. And then Vinny Testaverde tears his knee up in the first game of the next season. And poof, the season was over right then and there. Hockey's different. Hockey's different. The Knights have endured these injuries where guys have been, uh, you know, major guys have been out for significant pieces of time. Uh, They will eclipse 500 man games lost by the time the season ends. They're unofficially at 479 right now. And uh, it's not just the number, it's it's who. It's Stone, it's Pacioretty, it's Martinez, uh, most notably. And uh, not to mention Jack Eichel. And so that that kind of mathematical look at it tells you how crazy it is. No team has ever made the playoffs with that number of man games lost. So if they do get in, it would be something that had never been done before. <laughs> man games lost is not an official statistic. It's a little bit hard to quantify sometimes who's injured and who's scratched and so on and so on. But you get the idea. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing that they uh, hung around as long as they did and had as much success as they did. And it finally caught up to them uh, shortly after the All-Star break, most notably that five-game winless trip. Um, but here they are. They've got a chance with four games to go. It's crazy. They're right in it. And, you know, Dan, you know, like if I would have said, you know, even a week ago when things were looking bleak and maybe especially after uh, the game against New Jersey, that they're going to have an opportunity to control their own destiny still this year. I think most people would have thought it was crazy, but they do. And all they have to do, all they have to do is win four straight games right now. And that would be five straight if you include the Washington game on Wednesday night. But it is doable. But it starts tonight. And we'll talk about that in a minute about San Jose. Uh, you know, we talk about a team that would like nothing more to upset the Vegas Golden Knights and end their playoff hopes. It would be the team they're getting ready to come up against today, the final home game at T-Mobile. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to start out, Dan, Robin Leonard. I mean, it's been kind of a head-scratcher. You know, you hear one thing from you know, basically Robin Letters camp saying that this is being shut down because of a lower body injury that everyone's assuming a knee injury that needs to be taken care of and surgically repaired. Uh, probably some, a procedure he will get done in the off season, but the Vegas golden Knights are saying he's completely fine. You know, as far as their staff, Kelly McCrimmon, Pete DeBoer, he's fine. And uh, he just was a no show at practice yesterday. What are you hearing Dan from the inside? What is going on with this situation? Uh, I wish I had more to add to what you just said, but frankly, I don't. Uh, that, that Officially, it was a maintenance day yesterday and the day before for Robin Leonard, and that the Golden Knights 
uh, expect Robin to be available to dress for today's game. Um, the language, I suppose, if you if you parse it, and who knows if trying to read between the lines is a worthy exercise or not. Um, it could be a fool's errand and a waste of time. But when they say, you know, be available, it doesn't sound like he's starting today. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if, if he's available, um, you know, uh, you would um, you would think that he would be backing up Logan Thompson. Um, if he's not, you know, um, you, you know, use the word head scratcher. It's unfortunate for for everybody. Um, you would certainly like to believe that if Robin could go, he would. But um, you know, Ro- Robin has overcome so many different kinds of challenges, physically and mentally, and and everything else. And remember, he, you know, he had left a, that five game trip because of an injury in Philadelphia. He left a recent trip because of a family health issue. Um, you know, the practice he left early because he got a shot off of his shoulder, you know, there've been no shortage of things that have um, come up seemingly because of no fault to Robin. Um, but it, it, it's evident that these things have sort of piled up uh, in one way, shape or form. Um, and he hasn't played his best uh, in recent games, the game in Vancouver. And then the game the other day, uh, you know, really the last couple of games uh, where the Knights lose to New Jersey, but then, you know, he starts the game against Washington and, and gets pulled, um, not because, uh, you know, he gave up five goals on five shots or something. He had given up officially the one goal. It just didn't look great, and the team didn't look great in front of him. And, um, you know, there, you can imagine there's uh, the, the coaches and the management would have a, a clearer idea, maybe not 100% clear idea of exactly what Robin is enduring, but they'd have a better idea than, than we would. And um, it seemed to me that's why uh, Pete would make that change in the game, a confluence of factors, not simply one factor, a confluence of factors, it seems to me. But, uh, but again, you know, that there, what are the factors in, from Robin's point of view? I, I don't know. But uh, as much as you would like to see Robin uh, fully healthy and fully prepared to play an NHL game and be the guy that the Knights acquired and signed to a five-year contract at $5 million a year, Bottom line is he is not what he was expected to be in this moment. Maybe he was at a point earlier this year. Maybe he will be at a point next year. But right now in this moment, four games left, he's not someone that you can rely upon. And that's why the the Knights have gone to Logan Thompson last game. Um, Pete DeBoer said it's a game seven mentality, and they've got to make choices based on um, as if their backs were up against the wall, game seven, um, even if it's uh, not exactly how they drew it up. (laughs) <laughs> they have to go with the game seven mentality. And I think that um, as much as you would want to have Robin Leonard be available to you because he has that kind of a resume and, and so on, uh, he's, he just um, he might not be the choice right now, given all the things that he's enduring. Yeah. I, I... Very well said, Dan. And, you know, Logan Thompson has been a a godsend. I mean, the Knights have to thank their lucky stars that he has played as well as he has in the absence of Robin Leonard and Laurent Broussois, who I'll ask you about in a minute. But, you know, with Leonard, you have to you have to understand this. And it really um, this part of the country is getting acclimated, especially Las Vegas, the community with hockey and. 
it is really tough when the face of your franchise, Mark Andre Fleury, uh, matter of fact, the face of the NHL for a couple of years, I mean, leaves you. That is just some gigantic shoes to fill. And you see it at every level when a superstar moves on, his time has come. And I don't think it was a bad move at the time uh, to let Mark Andre Fleury explore other opportunities, let him go after the way last season ended. And I don't think it was just for that reason, but um, I understood the move from a business standpoint, but most fans out here, as you know, were furious. And unless, Leonard has a chart year and they win the Stanley Cup he's going to get blamed for every mistake and his mistakes have been magnified he has let in some bad goals the one goal against Washington yeah he made 12 saves and 13 shots but the goal he let in looked really bad especially after the performance of a couple of nights ago before that against the Oilers um you know, or I should say against uh, Calgary, but you know, that's been the problem is the inconsistency, be it injuries, be it also, you know, the, the, the heckling that he has gotten, which I think is unfair. But again, that comes with replacing a legend and Mark Andre Fleury will probably be the face of the Vegas Golden Knights franchise for years. I would imagine once he retires, they'll erect a trophy or I should say a statue of him outside of T-Mobile arena. That's how much he has meant to that franchise and this city. So I understand it. And I thought, my God, can you imagine if somehow the first round matchup ended up the wild against Las Vegas, that would be insane. But, you know, again, that's what I think is the biggest issue based on, you know, the, the perspective or the perception of, of Robin Leonard at this point. And it doesn't help when Pete DeBoer in his own right is kind of criticizing him. And you already know the guy has, has had some um, depression issues in his past. We know about those that are well-documented. It has been a rough go for Robin Leonard, you know, just a, a and again, all we're doing right now is basically speculating, but the speculation would seem that Robin Leonard just doesn't want to come back and play for this team. I mean, it, he doesn't seem like he's welcome on this team, not only by the head coach, but by the fans, which is really, really discouraging because we have seen at times Robin Leonard has elite ability at the goal, you know, at goaltending in the National Hockey League. So that, that you know, that being said, we're going to see what happens. I don't think we'll see Robin Leonard in uniform. And if we don't, Dan, who backs up um, Logan Thompson today? Well, um, you know, I, I don't dismiss the possibility of Robin uh, being the backup goaltender today. Remember that there are um, contractual obligations um, that uh, that both Robin and the Golden Knights would have to deal with. Um, and if the Golden Knights are saying that Rob, they expect Robin to dress today, then and and he doesn't show up, you know, then they would have to suspend him, and that gets into a whole other issue. I, I do not feel that Robin is unwelcome on the team. Um, it, it, you know, are, are, is there a group of fans who um, aren't happy with Robin? I'm sure there are, but I think that's a different thing. You know, the perception of a, a portion of, of fans uh, does not jive with, uh, you know, that does not align itself with, with the Golden Knights. So I would take issue with the point that you made there. Robin is absolutely welcome by the players, the coaches, etc., uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's the the, the right guy to, to start a game, but that doesn't mean he's not welcome. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, you know, like I said, if the Golden Knights say that Rob, they expect Robin to be available for the game today, and then he doesn't show up, you know, then Robin would be um, in violation of his contract unless the Golden Knights decide to um, you know allow him to uh, step away from the team. That is, you know, that's the thing that happens at times. Obviously, they allowed him to leave the team during the trip in Calgary uh, because of a family issue. Um, if this is a medical situation, it would be deemed as such by Golden Knights uh, doctor or trainer. 
but I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. So the, the point is that, you know, uh, unless the Golden Knights say that Robin doesn't need to dress today, um, then he should dress today. If for whatever reason he can't, uh, I, I would assume Yuri Patera would be the backup. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but that's who it was last time Robin was unavailable. Uh, Lauren Brossois remains on long-term injured reserve. Um, I, I don't know how soon he may be back, but uh, I, it, it seems to me that, that they haven't shut him down for the year, you know, depending on a potential postseason run. Um, I don't know if he'd be available here in the last week or not, but uh, you know, Brossois is would be in the conversation, uh, I think, at some point. But as of today, uh, I think as of today, you uh, would have to expect Thompson would start, Leonard would back up, Again, if Leonard, for whatever reason, cannot, um, you know, dress, uh, then I think it would be Yuri Patera. But right now, I think that uh, you you would expect uh, that uh, Thompson starts and, and Leonard is the backup. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think you misunderstood what I was saying. It's the perception. Talking to my friends and people that aren't in the media, that's their perception is like, God, is he not wanted? And it's because, you know, when when you hear from his camp that there is an injury that needs attending to and the Golden Knights say he's fine, that would let, tend you to believe that there is some friction there. But again, it's a perception. Not that I believe that I think Leonard will be be behind the bench also tonight. And, um, you know, and again, the other the thing is what one of my friends pointed out yesterday when he's saying I'm wrong, that they're not welcome. Why did Jonathan Marcheseau bring up Marc-Andre Fleury? I think we all were a little bit surprised when he did that in the press conference after the last game, um, after their last. Well, loss, just to say. offer the context there, he was the, the question that Jonathan was asked was um, about Logan Thompson's compete level. And he said, no one has the compete level of Marc-Andre Fleury, but Logan is up there. That's how oh, no, he brought up Mark Andre Fleury's name. Oh no, I understand. I just, I, I still thought right, but the listeners might not. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, no, and I think that's important. I, I agree with you 100. percent Moving on, okay, they they win that game against Washington. It was so what a big win, another overtime thriller, and a, another big overtime goal by Shea Theater, who has just come up time and time again, huge for this team, proving to be one of the best defensemen, two way defensemen in the National Hockey League. Love seeing that, uh, but that sets up four more games with Dallas getting another game, although they won. Uh, they've got one game in hand, three games left for them, four for the Knights. Um, the Knights win out. They win these four games based on tiebreaker situation. Even if Dallas wins the other two games remaining, uh, the Knights will get the nod in the eighth seed. What do you expect from this team going forward? And especially today, Dan, tonight, San Jose, a team they've beaten 11 times in a row. And I know tonight this would be like game seven for the San Jose Sharks against uh, the Golden Knights to knock them out of the playoffs and get off the snide of losing 11 straight. And Timo Meyer said last night after the Sharks won against Chicago that this is, quote, the biggest game of the year. Uh, trouble is for the Sharks, <laughs> they've only beaten the Golden Knights once, once in 22 regular season meetings. Uh, the, the Knights have a terrific record, 18-1-3 and against the Sharks in now five seasons of hockey, and this will be, of course, the 23rd meeting in regular season history. But uh, that's history, not prophecy. Um, the thing that you would look at today would be the Knights' forward combinations, that this is a group as healthy as it has been at any point this year. It's possible that William Carrier comes back and, and Will's speed and strength, uh, and also you know, 
offensively, you know, career type of year with uh, 18 points for Will. So he comes back. Uh, we think we don't know for sure, but we think that he'll be back. And Jake Lecision would come out. And Jake Lecision's been fine, but William Carrier is uh, would be the preferred choice there. But just the way that the forward combinations were adjusted for last game, uh, and then that's how they practiced yesterday. So that's Eichel between Yanmark and Dodonov, Stevenson between Pacioretty and Stone, Carlson between Marcheseau and Amadio, Wah between Carrier and Colasar. Now, obviously, Carrier did not play last game. It was Lecision there. But there was something to be said for that adjustment in the game. The, the way that they played in the third period not only was effective, but it, they, they looked like there was some synergy on the ice. Whereas, uh, it, you know, it just has not worked. You know, we talked about when they put Marcia so with Eichel uh, and Stone last couple of games. Looks good on paper, but it didn't look very good in real life. You know, uh, Jack Eichel has no points in his last three games, and that's the first time since coming to Vegas that he's gone three games without any points. You know, prior to those three games, he had a six-game scoring streak. So, uh, in other words, sometimes it's just finding the right combination of players. The Knights don't have a whole heck of a lot of time to figure it out. So they pulled a shoot on the combinations they had previously. It looked like it worked uh, against Washington in the third, and obviously over time it's a different animal with three on three. But I think that you would be encouraged, by the way, that they played in the third period. And, you know, at some point, um, you know, Mark Stone's going to break out. He has no points in five games since coming back. You know, the, I mentioned Jack Eichel, no points in the last three. Pacioretty, he did have an assist last game, but only one goal in the six games since he has been back from injury. And he did say uh, after the New Jersey game that he found his game. Well, now it's a matter of getting in sync with some other guys there. And, and, and you would just imagine that at some point, some of these guys who've had a little bit of an offensive hiccup, that they're going to um, make their presence known. Uh, maybe today is finally the day that Mark Stone breaks that skid. He is, um, you know, the longest you know, streak of his Golden Knights career without a point were the final games of last season in the playoffs when clearly he was dealing with that back issue. So maybe he shakes off the rust after missing 26, and now five games back, uh, maybe it's, it's the day where the captain can um, mark the score sheet. I think all the Golden Knights fans are hoping that uh, Mark Stone, just an integral part of this team, and uh, if he gets going right now, what a big help that would be to this team. And I've got about six or seven of my friends texting me right now, listening to the show. And your perspective, if the Golden Knights do not run the table, do not make the postseason this year, again, this is pure speculation. What do you see happening? What changes can you foresee potentially being made? And again, I know it's pure speculation, but I want to answer my friend's questions. <laughs> if they don't run the table and, and they miss the playoffs? Yes, correct. Uh, well, I, I, I have no idea. There, there would be a lot of considerations. You know, you'd first look at, you know, which contracts are expiring. Um, you know, first order of business for me would be, uh, signing Riley Smith to a contract extension. You know, he's been unavailable, so he's been kind of out of sight here recently. But uh, for me, not out of mind, um, the way that he has been a steady presence for this team. And I think that his absence over the last several weeks has uh, probably been um, overlooked. Uh, as much as you see Mark Snow and Patch Reddick and some of the other guys, Martinez, who are out, I think uh, Riley Smith and his steadying presence and everything that he does, penalty kill, et cetera, I think that's a mess. So I, I would uh, first thing would be to sign Riley Smith to an extension. Um, 
but beyond that, uh, you know, then it's going to be a matter of figuring out where to um, find enough cap space to make uh, the healthy Golden Knights um, a team that can play without having to play, uh, you know, with someone on long-term injured reserve, which is the only way they've been able to field the lineup this year. That means, uh, you know, the roster will have to be different. Who is moved out? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, that I, They obviously tried to trade Evgeny Dodonov, but here he is. He's been incredible. He's got seven points in the last six games, um, but he's got another year on his contract. You know, do they think about moving him again? Uh, I, I don't know, but there, there will have to be some changes, of course, because they could not go into a regular season with, uh, you know, the, the salary uh, that they do have, it would be over the limit. So, um, you know, I, I don't know where they would look, but, you know, Logan Thompson, just in case anybody is wondering, did sign a contract extension, uh, and it's basically a minor league contract extension uh, with the Golden Knights, and it was just prior to this run that he's had. Um, he signed uh, that extension on January 30th, three-year deal at uh, $766,000 a year so. Logan Thompson is under contract with the Knights organization uh, for three more years. So at that, if there was any concern about, you know, having Logan in the mix, uh, that that doesn't seem to be a concern, you would think. I don't know. I don't know because you've got Leonard and Brossois under contract right now. But you would think that Logan Thompson would be in the mix of the job, not necessarily the number one job, maybe, but who knows. Uh, But you would think that he'd be in the mix for, an NHL job next year. And like I said, he's under contract with the Golden Knights now for three years. No, Logan Thompson has definitely proved that he's an NHL goaltender. Great story behind the guy. If you haven't checked it out, uh, check out what Logan Thompson has done to make it to the NHL. Really, truly a great story. And the kid's done great. And I think uh, the Golden Knights are very fortunate that they were able to utilize his services during the absence of uh, Leonard and Brossois. But, um, Dan, before I let you go, and again, we are talking to Dan Duva, play-by-play radio announcer for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, you know, 50 man, 500, as you mentioned, man games missed this season. Amazing. No team has ever made the playoffs. But last question again, and this is, I think, what everyone is alluding to, Pete DeBoer. You know, you see this success that, obviously, that Gerard Gallant has had again, moving on to another team. And I think there's still, you know, years of, of a bitter taste in some of the fans' mouths that, again, don't look at the business aspect of the NHL. But do you think Pete DeBoer is going to be held accountable for this season at all? Well, I, I, when you say held accountable, that makes it sound like you uh, somebody wants him to be fired or something. And if that's the question, the answer is no. <laughs> Pete DeBoer is not going to be fired because of the Knights missing the playoffs this year. In at least, I wouldn't fire him. Uh, I, I, I mean, they they obviously moved on from Gerard Gallant in the middle of the season uh, because things were not trending in the direction that they liked. Um, Pete DeBoer has done uh, an impressive job, in in my opinion, uh, putting this team in the position that it's in. Uh, and in fact, in a recent television segment, you know, Gary Lawless does the Lawless in Order segment. You know, it kind of made a list of some of the end-of-year awards. Here are some guys who are not going to win the award but ought to be in the conversation, you know, kind of flying under the radar. And he brought up Pete DeBoer's name for the Jack Adams because, as you pointed out, as we've already discussed, if the Knights make the playoffs here, uh, it's, you know, it's they'd be the first team with that many man games lost to get in. So to kind of keep the group, 
on the right track here and, and manage a, a number of superstars as well. Um, that's that's not always an easy job. Are there things that maybe he would like to have done better? Sure, but that's every season and every team. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I when you say held accountable, um, I think that you know every member of any organization at the NHL level is held accountable um, because there's so much oversight and there is so much scrutiny. You know, Pete DeBoer, you know, scrutinizes his the members of his staff, uh, the leadership, the players, uh, keep uh, each other accountable, and and the younger players accountable. That that doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything um, that that uh, it needs to get changed. So, the, on the face of your question, is Pete DeBoer held accountable? Uh, I, I think that he is, but that doesn't mean that you know the, the, the people might assume that is. Uh, that uh, he gets fired. No, I, I, I do not. I, I, I do not think that uh, the team missing the playoffs this year is cause for Pete DeBoer's dismissal. No, I would agree with you on that on that point as well. Once again, he is Dan Duva, radio play-by-play announcer for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. Uh, Dan, really appreciate you joining us again this morning. The Knights play their final home game of the season tonight at, uh, at T-Mobile against the San Jose Sharks, 7 o'clock uh, face-off time. And, um, hey, if you haven't seen a game this year, get out there and see if you can get tickets. What a huge game. Every game, the final four, are all the biggest game of the season for the Vegas Golden Knights right now, and they just need to hold home court against San Jose to get to move on to play Dallas this week. Again, Dan, thanks so much for joining the show. Oh, my pleasure. Looking forward to the game tonight. Thanks a lot. Once again, that is Dan Duva. And, uh, Spence, we have, uh, we have Jay Schrader on. Let's bring him right on. What's up, Jay? Good morning, man. Uh, can you hear me? I don't know if hey, Jay knows we're on. There you are. How are you, my friend? Good morning. Can you hear me? I hear you good. Can you hear me? We're doing yeah, we're an AT&T on. commercial right now. Hey. Good. How are you, Brian? I, oh, you know, so damn good I can hardly stand it, Jay. Sunday morning in Las Vegas, so many <laughs> things going on. Hopefully Vegas school, the Knights game, going. huge game tonight, final home game of the regular season. NFL draft coming up on Thursday for the first time ever in Las Vegas. And you want to talk about a setup and a stage yeah. for the NFL draft. They've never seen anything like that. Jay Schrader, of course, cor- former longtime quarterback in the National Football League, uh, played for, at the time, the, the Raiders years ago, and also for uh, the now Washington Commanders. And I want to start the conversation talking about that, Jay. I understood why the name had to change from the Redskins. I'm not going to get into that and go into the semantics of all that right now, even though I think that they're one of the most iconic franchises, not just in the NFL, but in all of sports in general. So changing their name, I think it hurt a lot of people only because that's just who they, you know, that's who they were. That was their identity. But I really didn't mind the Washington football team. I actually thought it sounded kind of cool. I thought not really a rebellion to the fact they had to change their name, but it just sounded different and cool. The commanders, I mean, we've got the USFL started right now. The commanders sound like a USFL team. Sorry, but that's what they sound like to me. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, you know, let's let's go all the way back. You know, what people have to realize is, you know, the whole name change um, I thought was ridiculous because if people know the backstory, the, the Indian headdress uh, logo that we wore on our helmets was actually designed by the grandson to honor his Indian chief grandfather. And, you know, it, it wasn't offensive. In fact, they thought it was honoring. So uh, the whole thing, you know, all the way through and, now the fact that they're the commanders, yes, it sounds like a USFL team. 
Yeah, I just, like I said, I can't wrap my arm around it. And for some reason, like at first, I heard the Washington football team. I thought it was a little bit of a mockery. But then after a little bit, it's like, well, that actually really somehow fits. And I just I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it any more than, than the Cleveland Indians changing their name to the Guardians. Again, no offense, but that sounds like a WNBA team to me. So I'm not going to get into a whole great deal of this. I understand why this is happening in our culture and in our society right now. I just think these are team names. And basically, when you use a team name or a moniker, it's to show toughness. It's to show grit. You look for a name of something powerful. So to me, those are things that should be looked at as a powerful, strong thing as opposed to something negative. But somehow it's turned that way over time. We'll leave it right there. I had a feeling you'd agree with me, especially uh, winning your one Super Bowl ring with the Washington uh Commanders, I'll say it correctly now. I always got to catch myself on that. Um, Jay, and also you played for the Raiders. How cool is it, first of all, we've talked yeah. about this before on the show, for Las Vegas to actually have an NFL franchise right now, um, which I just think we're seeing the success of that franchise with one of the most beautiful stadiums ever constructed in our country. Matter of fact, in the world, in Allegiant Stadium. But how cool is it to see that here now? We've seen them for a couple of years, uh, obviously getting a lot better, and now to have the NFL draft right here in our backyard. Well, it, it, it's really cool to have them here. And uh, Vegas, I have said for a long time, Vegas is the greatest sports town in the, in the country. It always has been. And for them to finally have professional uh, teams in town uh, just shows how good it is. And between the Knights, the success the Knights have had, the Raiders being here now, now the Aces, you know, baseball's coming. So, uh and, you know, we're looking forward to great things from the Raiders. Uh, new coach, new excitement, one of the best receivers uh, in the league. Uh, so their first and second round draft pick is a proven commodity. So I'm excited. Jay, what do you see looking at this Raiders team? You saw them uh, success in that season. Just what a what a. A season full with turmoil, starting obviously with the firing of John Gruden after, you know, amazing. They're investigating the Washington football team and the guy that gets fired. And the only so far repercussion of that investigation is what they learned about John Gruden, which is kind of surprising. I'm still waiting to see what the final results of that are. But then, of course, um, with Henry Ruggs and and, and the tragic uh, the tragic incident with the car accident and, and that. And then somehow the Raiders find the wherewithal and the intestinal fortitude to do move on, win the games they have to win and get into the playoffs. And it's funny, they probably gave Cincinnati as good of a team, a game as anyone and Cincinnati went all the way to the Super Bowl. So more, more higher expectations, but watching this Raiders team, what did you feel? Obviously Devonte Adams, a huge pickup, but what did you feel is necessary for this team to take the next step and not just make it to the playoffs, but actually make a run in the playoffs? Well, I think they did some great things. Uh, I think they used free agency to their advantage. Uh, in today's football, it's a passing league. Um, so the, the good teams have either really good DBs, which is almost impossible to find. Uh, that's a, with the way the rules are, that's an impossible position to play. And the, the other, you know, the other aspect is you got to have a good pass rush. So uh, they got Chandler Jones. I think they've increased their pass rush. I think they'll look to try to increase, you know, the, the depth and the ability of their secondary. And I expect some really big things because offensively they've got all kinds of talent now. 
Um, I'm sure they'll look at some linemen to help protect Derek and, and all that. So I'm excited. They played really well. The progress of the young guys has been phenomenal. Uh, Josh Jacobs is going to be a stud for a long time because he can not only run the ball, but he can catch it. In today's game, you got to catch it coming out of the backfield. The quarterback position, you know, Derek Carr um, is an above average quarterback in the NFL. I've said that forever, but is Derek Carr a guy in your opinion? And, and now don't be a homer here that can lead this team to the promised land. question that Derek can, can lead them. Um, what you have to understand the last few years, it's very difficult to win games in the NFL if you've got to score 35 points every game. It's just, it just is. It's, it's difficult. And that's what he's been up against. He's played extremely well. He's gotten better and better. The talent around him has gotten better and better. Offensively, I like what they're doing. Defensively, I think they need to, you know, improve a little bit. Um, so it, it's exciting. Uh, Derek has played above average. And, you know, it's been, it's been fun to watch his development. Oh, I think we lost it. We lost, uh, Jay for a minute with the feed. Uh, we'll we'll try to get him back up here in a second. But I know what he's saying with Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr, you look at a couple of years ago before he got hurt. The team won a lot of games. He got hurt right before the postseason, and uh, they just weren't the same. They they were not the same team having Derek Carr uh, without him when they went into the postseason that year. Of course, this year. We got to see a team overachieve, in my opinion. And as as Jay was alluding to, the biggest problem with the Raiders, and I know Spencer would 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 attest to this as well as Chris back in studio, the biggest issue with the Raiders was their defense. Defensively, they have been lousy, and we're used to that in Las Vegas because we've watched UNLV have one of the worst defenses in the country at the collegiate level for years. But in all seriousness, uh, now the Raiders look different. Mac Crosby has developed into one of the one of the elite edge rushers in the National Football League. Now they got as as Jay mentioned, a guy on the other side that can do the job as well. Perryman last year, what a tremendous pickup he was from Carolina. Came in at linebacker, became an all-pro, did a great job. They've shored up the secondary a bit, and this Raiders team defensively looks decent enough to be a playoff team. Now, offensively, you add a guy like Devontae Adams, uh, you know, with the team they already have, Darren Waller, you know, top three tight end in the National Football League, and, um, you know, and Hunter Renfro, you know, you're going to say he's not the best slot receiver in the league. Well, if he's not, he's right there with the best of them. Another all pro this year and really came to his own this year as a great player. I expect the Raiders to do well in the draft, considering Spencer where they're drafting. They're not drafting until the 86th pick overall. They gave away the first and second pick to the Packers. Anyone would take that all day long for a proven veteran one of the best receivers in the game in Devontae Adams. But what is this team going to look to? You, you heard what Jay said. I think with the, the third-round pick, the first thing they're going to look for is help on that offensive line, as he mentioned. I think you want to get Derek Carr more protection. Last year, their number one pick to this point didn't really pan out. They moved him around. But – he was not the player that they expected him to be right off the bat. I'm looking for somebody, maybe like a guy like Cole Strange, out of a small little school called Chattanooga. Offensive guard, the guy can block out the sun really, really good, and I think he'd be a great pick. And again, I'm just doing some projections. You're the draft guru, but I uh, say he's about as good as it gets at guard, probably left maybe at that pick. Yeah, well, they're, they're scouting just about every center that they can in the draft, and they may also trade up. It's another possibility and it's really hard to predict the NFL draft because 
again, when, they, when people start trading up, everybody's draft predictions just suddenly go out the window. And other times, people don't pick what you, you think you're going to pick, even though you, it could be the most sure thing in the world. But the Raiders do have a few interesting things. Well, first of all, Gus Bradley's gone. That was the first thing they did, you know, when the new coaching scheme came out. Uh, which is a big problem, in my opinion, because Gus Bradley had that defense looking the best since Richard Seymour uh, was on the Raiders. And if you guys don't know, Richard Seymour was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. So it's been a very long time, you know, since they've had a defense like that. Picked up the defensive coordinator from the Giants. I don't really have a strong opinion on the guy. But when you look at the cornerback position, that's a big worry. They lost Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward was the best cornerback the Raiders have had since Namdi Asamoa. And I was five years old, five, six years old when Namdi Asamoa was playing on the team. Now they got the, a guy in the trade, Kim Sue, I, I believe his name is, hopefully, uh, you know, in that trade with the Colts. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think the secondary looks good, and I don't think the linebacker position looks good either. I mean, Gus Bradley worked a lot of wonders, and there's a lot of holes, you know, it's good to have a good defensive line that can definitely fill in some of those gaps. But overall, I don't know. I have a lot to see. And offensively, they don't have the guy to take someone over the top anymore. I'm glad Deshaun Jackson's not on the team anymore. I think that guy's a racist POS. But uh, they don't have any. Henry Ruggs obviously not on the team anymore. They have the guys for the intermittent spots. But they don't have anyone to stretch the field. Maybe that's something they try to address in the draft. I'm not sure. Yeah, I agree. Spencer, just so you know, Jay's trying to get back on. I guess he can see us, but he can't hear us. So I don't know if you'll be able to help him out with that. We're working on that right now. Um, but Jay's still there. I, and I wanted to talk to Jay about a, a charity golf outing that's coming up that we're going to be talking about here. We're also going to give uh, a couple of people an hour. I should say one person an opportunity to win a twosome. You get to play with me and a number of me another member of the broadcast team. I don't know if that's really winning anything or not. I'm not going to even let Jay comment on that because I know what he's going to say. Jay's bringing a pastor out, Spencer, to the golf outing just to pray for the team that I get to play with so <laughs> to help them out but um, we'll talk to him about that anymore I don't know Jay are you able to hear us now well he can hear us he just they said oh no he can't hear us so I, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to, to join us. But again, just so you know, I want to tell you about this real quickly. It is the Liberty Projects golf outing. It is going to take place on June 10th. And um, it is going to be at the Revere Golf Club. Shotgun start at 7 o'clock. You can get information more on the event. Um, and Spencer, I don't know if you can put up, if you have that at all, you can put up maybe the, the little flyer we have for it. But uh, but um, uh, there you go right there. You can see a little bit more information on the golf outing. And again, we'll be giving away one, uh, giving away a twosome closer to the, uh, to the event itself. Jay able to come on. I don't know if it, he's able to, we able to hear him Spence. No Spence is working on it. We're not able to hear Jay. Unfortunately, I'll get Jay on again soon though. And we'll get him on for sure before the golf outing. you'll get a chance to meet him out there. Um, and, uh, and we'll, and we'll, we'll, again, we'll see what the draft takes on Thursday at the Bellagio. If you haven't gotten down to the strip and you're in Vegas or coming to visit Las Vegas, check this out at the Bellagio, the red carpet at the Bellagio fountains going to be the most unique and amazing draft in any sport ever. And it's going to take place right here in Vegas, starting on Thursday afternoon. So you definitely want to check that out. Actually, I think Thursday morning, um, and we'll see who the Raiders take. I think don't be surprised if the Raiders go out and reach for a quarterback. I heard a guy they're really interested in Spencer, at least backing up car right now is believe it or not, Carson strong, the quarterback out of the university of Nevada, Reno, they think he's still going to be there in the fourth round. And if he is, I think the Raiders have the 126 overall pick. I think that's a good pick for him there. Well, yeah, I mean the, the backup quarterback position was short up very well with Marcus Mariota and clearly he's played well enough for teams to uh, have that interest, you know, to pick him up. He's on the Falcons now. Uh, and then we had Nathan Peterman, a slew of backup quarterbacks, just like every other team in the league does. It's going to be a big uh, quarterback competition. They picked up uh, somebody, I think, uh, 
Garrett from the Cowboys and one other guy I can't think of. But if they get another rookie quarterback, they'll probably end up sticking with him because who really cares who packs up at the quarterback position? It's true. We'll see who everyone gets. I'm still waiting to see who my Lions are going to pick at number two. I'm praying somehow the Jaguars pass and take like Trayvon Walker. They're talking about taking him out of Georgia over Aiden Hutchinson, which I think would be a mistake, and I'm praying they get him. They're also talking about that offensive lineman, Ikwanu, I think is his name, right? And they're talking about getting him as well out of North Carolina State. He could be the number one pick for the Jaguars to help protect, and they need to protect their quarterback. Um, You know, Trevor is running for his life in Jacksonville, and if you want to see this guy develop, they're going to need to pick him up, but we'll see. I'm praying the Lions get Hutchinson. If they don't get Hutchinson, I really don't care who the hell they get. Well, Jay's back. I don't know if you want to try to bring him on one last time. Oh, yeah, Jay, come on. You said Jay's back. He can hear us now. Hopefully. All right, there we go. Jay, can you you hear us? We're okay now? I can hear you now. I'm all right, real quick, before we let you go again, Jay Schrader, former quarterback hey. of the National Football League. Today we're talking yeah. the draft. We're talking a little bit about the, the name of the Washington football team. Talk about the charity golf outing, the, uh, the, the Liberty Projects. Yeah, so we have a Liberty Projects here, 501c3. So we rescue wild mustangs and we help our veterans uh, uh, everything from, you know, their expectations of what life is now after they're back home, all the way through um, getting them up with the VA and reassessing their evaluations. So it's a re- very rewarding, and we use that with equine therapy with some of the most beautiful animals you'll ever see, these wild mustangs that we get from BLM. So uh, we're a 501c3 uh, out here in Sandy Valley, so we're 45 minutes from downtown. Uh, we'll be at Revere Golf Club on June 10th, and we'd love to have everybody come out and help support what we do. Best way to sign up, Jay, how do people get involved? And if they want to get a foursome out there, what do they do? And someone's going to get a chance to win a uh, win an opportunity to play with a friend on the show. But uh, for those people that don't win, how do they get in? Uh, if you go to vetsandhorses.com, uh, there's two websites that will lead you to the Liberty Projects. Vetsandhorses.com is the easiest one to remember, and the libertyprojects.org. Uh, they'll t- both take you there. You'll see the golf tournament on there. If, if you click on the registration, you'll see all the information. Everybody come out. We're going to have a couple of wild Mustangs out there at the golf course. So uh, you better behave. I'll stick you on one of those and see if you can ride it bareback with everybody. <laughs> Maybe the guys that play with me, Jay, will ask you to put me on one before we start the tournament. That way I won't be able to play. (laughs) Anyway, he is Jay Schrader, a former quarterback in the NFL, uh, joining us on the show again. uh, Definitely check out the Liberty Projects golf outing. Go to the website, uh, sign up. cutting in and out. I didn't hear all that, but yes. I understand that uh, we're going to have some people play with you. You know, Hey, the one thing I can say is the last time I played with you and my buddy Mike Prinny, we won the thing. So I contributed one or two putts. You know, I'm good for that. <laughs> Anyways, he is Jay Schrader. Listen, really appreciate Jay joining the show. NFL draft again this sure. Thursday at the Bellagio Fountains. Jay, we'll have you on again soon. Appreciate you, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We, we... It's too bad we're having trouble with the audio. Uh, but, again, we'll get Jay on here pretty sh- soon. Thanks, Jay. And, Spencer, go ahead and hit fact this because this is something I've been waiting to talk about. 
either. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It is a fact. In 2003, in his major league debut, Miguel Cabrera hit a walk-off home run and is one of only four players in major league baseball history to do that in his debut. This was the beginning of a prolific career that led to yesterday where Cabrera became the 33rd player in MLB history to record 3,000 career hits. But there are many more uh, plate accomplishments that have people asking, is Miguel Cabrera the greatest hitter of all time? Max Scherzer, former Detroit Tiger, says he is. This was Miguel uh, after the game. Right side, there it is. His 3,000, the third Tiger to ever do it. I mean, incredible. That was actually the the hit itself that we just played for you. And um, it is so cool to see this guy do that. What a tremendous career he had. It was pretty cool. Matthew Stafford was there yesterday to witness history. Stafford joined the Lions in 2009, one year after Cabrera put on the Tigers uniform for the first time. Um, You know, so many accomplishments, Spencer. Things you guys don't even know that I've learned over the past week. Uh, And uh, former coach, former manager of the Detroit uh, Tigers, Jim Leland, said that in batting practice one time, Miguel Cabrera hit five home runs and five pitches, Spencer. Now, that might not be the most amazing thing about the five home runs, but check this out. The first one was down the left field line. The second one was to left field. The third one was to left center. The fourth one was to right center. And the fifth one was down the right field line. He placed each one of them at batting practice, five pitches in a row. I mean, one of the greatest batting eyes ever. And, you know, it is, it is pretty amazing. Um, now he's reached the monumental milestone by becoming the 33rd players. We said major league baseball history reached 3000 hits. He is the seventh player in history to reach 3000 hits and 500 home runs. Check out the list. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez, Rafael Palmero, and Eddie Murray is who he joins out of all those guys. He hit 310. He, is, he has the highest bat, career batting average of all of them on that list. Four batting titles, including three in a row. He won the American League MVP in 2012 and 2013. In 2012, he became the first player since Kyle Yaskrimski in 1967 to win the Triple Crown. Ty Cobb, Miguel Cabrera, and Juan Soto are the only players um, to bat cleanup in the World Series at the age of 20 or younger. I mean, there's way more I can talk about, but this guy is unbelievable. Mags, you haven't joined the show yet. I know you're not a Tiger fan, but how can you not be a Miguel Cabrera fan? And I'll ask you one question. Is he the greatest hitter of all time? Well, I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a tough question. I mean, he's certainly in the discussion, right? And, and I don't know, did you mention that He's only, I think there's only seven players who have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, so, I so, all seven of them. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's pretty incredible that, that we got to, you know, the, the, the thing for me is witnessing a triple crown winner in my lifetime, you know, I mean, I, I, I think for any sports fan, that's one of those things that you're, you're, you're kind of happy that you got to witness. And I remember he, he came really close to doing it a couple times, and then he finally broke through. Um, I know Ryan, not Ryan Braun, uh, Christian Yelich, I think, was was pretty close a couple of years ago. 
of the Brewers. But yeah, Miguel Cabrera certainly, I, I would say he's often overlooked by a lot of big baseball fans when, when it comes to putting him in the, 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 um, the stratosphere that he belongs in, maybe because he's played for the Tigers for so long and they haven't been great. And, you know, before that he was with the Marlins and they haven't, they weren't exactly great, but you know, he's certainly one of the all timers, um, just a fantastic player. Uh, and it, it looked like he, he had a good time yesterday when he did it. So um, I saw a couple of players on the Rockies come over and give him hugs and high fives. And so, you know, just, it, it, it's a pretty remarkable career and, and, you know, I'm glad I was alive during his career and got to witness him and, and, it was one of those guys that when we look back 10, 15 years from now, we're going to say, you know what? I don't know if we really gave him all the credit that he deserved because he's clearly one of the very best baseball players ever, Brian. Yeah, he is, Chris. And as you mentioned, those seven players with 500 home runs and 3,000 hits, um, out of the seven of them, again, he has the highest batting average at 310. That's why I say, is he the greatest hitter of all time? If he's not, he is definitely in that discussion and should be from now until eternity. I mean, it is really incredible what this guy has done. And again, one of the greatest pitchers of our day today, Max Scherzer, you know, who played with Miguel, says he is the greatest hitter he's ever seen. So a lot of compliments, a lot of accolades, all well-deserved Miguel Cabrera. Don't have much time, so I'll just close and we'll, we'll, real quickly as far as the NBA playoffs goes. Some great playoffs. Love that series between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves, we are seeing how valuable of a player Carl Anthony Towns is. The cat is ridiculous. That 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 Minnesota team is gritty. They're tough. They're not going to beat Memphis in a seven-game series. I'll tell you that right now. But it could easily come down to game seven in Memphis because that's how good the Timberwolves play. And the cool thing is, even though they seem to let Memphis back in, they should have won game three maybe. They let Memphis back in. Maybe. They blew two 26-point leads. They, they, no, they did. But but that's the point is Minnesota blew the lead again yesterday but then came back but still had the wherewithal to fight it off and and win the basketball game. I love that series. Today, the, the Heat and the Hawks will go at it again at four. The Bucks and the Bulls, I don't know what happened to the Bulls. They played so good in the first two games. Last game in Chicago, it's like they didn't even show up for the game. They're going to have to play a lot better than that to compete with the current and reigning world champions. And, of course, Golden State is um, is playing the Nuggets today as well, as well as also the Suns and the Pelicans, which, uh, you know, is more of an intriguing series than I thought. And, uh, the Pelicans got to win, man, which is really big considering the Suns' best team tired. But Devon Booker gone from the Suns is a huge loss and probably really diminishes their chances to win it. Listen, we're out of time. Tyson Fury, if you didn't see it, TKO win over Dylan White. Says he's going to retire. Don't buy it. Watch him eventually. Um, you know, he's the only guy, if he does retire, Rocky Marciano, the only heavyweight ever besides Tyson Fury that would retire undefeated. But he's 31 years old. I do not see the guy retired. Watch him to fight... Uh,